Hello and welcome to MCD Fit and No Zero Days Life podcast. This is your host, founder Sam Piccolotti. I want to welcome you guys again to a new episode. Today we're going to be chatting with Dr. Adam Graves, a naturopathic health practitioner here in Castle Rock, Colorado. We'll dive into some really interesting topics around uh, hormones, both uh, men and women, uh, impact on weight loss, performance, etc. And uh, and discover a little bit more and reveal a little bit more, I should say, about naturopathic medicine. Take some of the myths out of that. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening and sharing the podcast. I encourage you to keep doing so if you like what you hear here on the NCD Fit podcast. Uh, allow me to continue to work to provide as much entertaining information and insights that I can in the world of health, fitness, and wellness. Once again, thanks for joining. Enjoy. Conversation with Dr. Adam Graves. Uh, Dr. Adam Graves is um, a uh, practitioner here in Castle Rock, Colorado. Uh, His journey toward natural medicine began back in college when he started seeking natural treatments for his severe asthma and allergies. He decided to become a naturopathic doctor after his father's struggles and death with cardiovascular disease. At a young age, I believe, we'll talk about that. Dr. Graves believes in body's ability to heal itself and utilize therapies that are safe, natural, and effective. Every illness has an underlying cause. Dr. Graves is trained in to find and remove those underlying causes. He works alongside his patients, encouraging them to take an active role in their health. He combines a diverse background and experience with tools and wisdoms from Eastern and Western medicine, providing true integrative healthcare. This practice incorporates many effective therapies, including acupuncture, clinical nutrition, dietary therapy, herbal medicine, homeopathy, hydrotherapy, and behavioral medicine. Trained as a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist, Dr. Graves has worked with a wide range of health conditions. He specializes in complex cases, pain management, digestive disorders, infertility, and pediatrics. And I want to give the folks a little sense as to what naturopathic doctors uh, are and um, and and the, yeah. in the in the background. So, um, Dr. Adam Graves, pleasure. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, you know, you know, I'll share with the listeners, and I think you and I had an opportunity to kind of chat about it a little bit. But, um, you know, my my uh, uh, my familiarity and experience with natural medicine is. It goes back a long ways, back into the 80s. My mom uh, died at a very young age, uh, 47, and had struggled really for 30 uh, for 10 years, so since the age of 37, uh, battling cancer. And early on in her battle, she had started to seek uh, naturopathic uh, treatment after a very harsh round of, of uh, uh, radio, uh, radiation and, and chemotherapy treatment. And, um, you know, she had to go to Mexico to, to get that kind of treatment. And, you know, you and I kind of talked about those early years and the fact that, you know, when I was seeking naturopathic care and medicine and, and even um, uh, nutrition, uh, you know, I had to go to a health food store and, and it, like, you know, I couldn't find things like uh, almond milk. I had to make it, you know, at the time. Those, those uh you know, those treatments and those practices just were not abundant. <clears throat> um, so in, in your, in kind of in your words, if you wouldn't mind, 
maybe just introducing to the listeners what homeopathic or naturopathic medicine is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a bit confusing, but basically my degree is um, in Washington, Seattle, where I was trained, I was trained, I went to naturopathic medicine school. There's about, I think there's six schools in the nation now. It's a, a, a doctorate degree post undergraduate. So I did undergraduate in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then went to Bastyr in Seattle. In Washington, where I was trained, it's pretty much similar to like a family physician or primary care physician training. It was a, a four to five year degree. Um, I started that out there. And then once I kind of was out there, they also had a master's in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And I got interested in acupuncture and Chinese medicine around along with natural medicine and did both programs in four years. So once you come out of school in, in Seattle and Washington, um, where I, where I was trained and practiced for a little bit, I basically was like, you're it's, I, I explained like a family doctor, but we also have additional training in herbs, natural medicine, dietary therapy, water therapy, um, functional lab testing, um, so it's, you know, when your regular doctors kind of trained in surgery and medication, we're aware of those. And, and, and we do, we have pharmaceutical prescription rights in some states We're primary care physicians, but then we have all these other options, diet, herbs, acupuncture, homeopathy, nutrition. So we kind of get a whole more holistic training so that we can help people more holistically in their health issues. Gotcha. So, you know, that um, in the bio, as, as I was reading, um, talk about the, the wisdoms from Eastern and Western medicine. And I, so, uh, you know, I think you did a pretty good job of incorporating how, um, you know, how you have a, a, a background knowledge in both. But I, but I did want to ask, because it's one of the things that I think I, I bumped up against early on. I, and I, I, you know, I, and I suspect it's, it's evolved. I can see evidence in that and the information that's available to people today on, um, you know, on the, on the Eastern medicine front. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, there always seemed to me to be, um, you know, several areas of conflict uh, between Eastern and Western medicine. And I, I think some of that begins from a philosophical standpoint in, in the way they, they look at, disease or treatment. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh yeah. So definitely. So Western medicine is what we call, um, very reductionistic. You know, it's kind of like if you have a car, let's break it down into find that one piece that's broken and use a targeted medication to, to treat that issue. So it kind of reduces things and very separate, you know, if you, People have experienced, they go to their doctor and they said, I don't, you know, there's something wrong with my stomach. Is it maybe the stress? And a lot of doctors are like, well, probably not. You know, it's very, their training is very, things are, everything in the body is kind of disconnected and you reduce it, mm. find where you can intervene and then you intervene. Um, in kind of naturopathic medicine and Chinese medicine, it's a lot more holistic. Yeah, we can reduce things and find where things are wrong. But the whole is also greater than just the sum of its parts, you know? So 
it's not do we got to address certain areas but not only do your you know your sleep affects your health your stress management affects your health your mental and emotional picture affects your health what you eat how do all those things come together to contribute to health or disease you know and, and you know it's not like chinese medicine or eastern medicine uh you know is, is something that's new and uh and and trendy yeah there are thousands of years of, of treatment and documentation in, in yeah. that spectrum much much longer and predating yeah. uh, conventional traditional western medicine for sure and in china and other countries it's not really separate they still have pharmaceuticals and surgeries but the house you go to the hospital and get your acupuncture you go to the hospital and get your herbs and you go to the hospital and get your meds you know yeah. it's all seen as integrated because with health and disease in my opinion why aren't we doing everything together yeah and i i think you know what we're what we're dealing with in in the U.S. anyway is uh, just more of a um, uh, just more of an industry or business conflict than yep. it is a, a medical conflict, right? Yep, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's it's it is a big business. I I don't like to be a conspiracy theorist, but I mean once you're in the system and you realize the finances that it's it's money drives the machine. Yeah. And the data is pharmaceuticals. I mean, you just look at the data. Pharmaceuticals is the biggest lobbying contributor in the nation. Yeah. Yep. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, and the, you know, so your practice is, is really comprehensive and, and covers a lot of treatment mm -hmm. uh, because you're looking at the whole body. And, and uh, I know you have some things that, you know, it's mentioned that you, you kind of specialize in. And, um, and, and what I wanted to take just a few minutes to kind of talk about and see if we can, if we can, uh, you know, shed any light on what I think are, are kind of obscure uh, topics and, and maybe difficult and hard for folks to comprehend and understand. Uh, and, and because, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are interested in, in fitness and, and wellness, you know, they're yeah. seeking dietary solutions. And, and one of the things I want to talk about is how uh, weight loss and hormones, uh, yep. you know, are impacted. And, and maybe you can, maybe we can start, you know, from a female perspective and, and yeah. just kind of uh, outline, if you would, uh, what, what some of the things that, that women face that, that they may not realize uh, yeah. that are impacted by hormones when, they, when they're yeah. looking at or trying to achieve weight loss. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So what I can tell you, a lot of people come to my practice when they've been frustrated with their regular medical care. So majority of my clients are kind of, you know, probably 35 to 65 years old. You know, they may be getting into their later 30s, their 40s, their body's shifting, and they're gaining weight or things are happening they don't like to. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to do what I did when I was 20. I'm going to exercise more and eat less, you know, still that calories in calories out model. Um, or they go to their primary doctor and he'll check their thyroid, their thyroid's fine. And he just kind of gives them the same. You got to eat less exercise more. So then people finally come to me and be like, what's going on this? I'm eating less. I'm exercising more and either I'm not losing weight. And in a lot of instances, women are gaining weight. 
you know, so they're, they're killing themselves in the gym, they're frustrated, they're restricting their diet, and they're, and then eventually they wear themselves out till they're just like, screw it, I'll do whatever I want, you know. Yeah, and so they, that, it's very frustrating to see that roller coaster uh, yeah. for so many people, you know, from a dietary and fitness standpoint. And, mm -hmm. you know, I hate, I hate, I hate to see it uh, and, and watch it because it's, uh, you know, they're constantly up against new battle and attempting to try, you know, yep. so many different methodologies. So yeah. what, what, you know, you mentioned a certain age group and they're kind of premenopausal is what you're, yep. you're referring yep. to, right? Yeah, so, because that 35 is when those hormones are, you know, later 30s when those hormones start to shift. And what, what hormones are we talking about specifically? Uh, for women, it's the, the first two are, are estrogen and progesterone. Testosterone starts to shift, but that the first two are those estrogen, progesterone. Progesterone usually starts around 35 to 45, and then estrogen kind of after that. Um, and then testosterone is kind of in there. But the problem is when progesterone starts to drop, your body becomes more sensitive to stress and carbs. All right. So let's, let, let me take you back because yeah. you mentioned testosterone. I bet a lot of women may not realize that they, they have testosterone. Yep. Yep. And, and where, where is that produced for a woman? So in women, it's, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> you're asking my uh, biochemistry. So the ovaries in women, the estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone is all produced in the ovaries and then also in the peripheral tissue. So as those ovaries slowly go down, you'll get a little bump from the tissue, um, but not as much. That's why it's important as you age and those ovaries are declining and that testosterone is declining, you want to start to increase that muscle mass to, to buffer that decline. Okay, so that works similarly with women as it does with men. Correct. In, in that, if, if, you're, if you're building that muscle mass, uh, you have that contributing testosterone impact hormonally, right? Yep. Which we all know, you know, when, when you build that muscle mass, uh, you take on a metabolic change. Yep. Right. Yep. And, um, and you, you start to acquire lean body mass and that has an impact on, on a metabolic rate. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, let, let's, let's walk back through that. When you hit that 35, uh, range, yeah. uh, for females, yeah. they, what starts to fall off naturally? What are the, the hormones? The, what happens is the progesterone starts to decline. Um, but what that does is it, it's not so much the decline in progesterone, but the declining progesterone makes your body more sensitive to cortisol, your stress hormone. And cortisol is a fat storing hormone. Yeah. Okay. So, you know. And so is it that cortisol is increasing when sort that's of, it's 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 kind of hard to explain it's not cortisol may increase a little but also what happens is your your tissues your cells become more sensitive to that cortisol so your cortisol may say the same but if your progesterone drops that tissues are more sensitive to your cortisol so more likely to store fat ah uh, okay so you start you start storing more visceral type fat <laughs> yep. when that happens and yep. um 
and you start to feel more stressed out, which then raises your cortisol, which then you store more fat, and then it. <laughs> yeah, that's a wicked. That's a wicked scenario. Yes. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, let's 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 talk a, a little bit about some of the approaches that women can take to yeah. to manage this. But I guess first, it's understanding what that baseline looks like, right? So that come with some, some baseline testing or blood work? We do, yeah. It's more, um, I, always, I always like to see baseline labs to see where people are, you know, um, and check those hormone levels because uh, that's our working point, you know, where to start and, and what's going on. And so when people come in and are, are frustrated and checking thing out, my approach is do a, a very in-depth workup. You know, we're testing the thyroid. We're testing a good thyroid panel. We're testing estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and then also some of those adrenal hormones, DHEA, pregnenolone, cortisol, and really getting a, a whole picture where people's baseline are. Because um, most people go to the regular doctor, they'll test just their thyroid. And if that's normal, they're kind of on their own. Um, yeah, or... Or even let's assume they go to an endocrinologist and yep. they get some blood work. Um, the endocrinologist probably not incentivized too greatly to starting start digging into uh, other exercise considerations or nutrition or yeah. supplementation, and more likely prescribing some type of medication. And what what does that Western remedy normally look like? For a yeah, I mean, that's the problem. Western, Western kind of medicine won't treat you until you're over here very diseased, you know. So right, because you're falling out of a range, right? As yep, long as you're, sure. as long as you're in the range of whatever the lab says, and yep. that's based on some kind of pool of population, you yep. might, you might not be feeling great, but you fall within the range, and they're like, okay, no, no problem. <laughs> Calls. Yep, exactly. Right? Yep, you're not diseased, so there's not a medication yeah. to treat your disease. But, you know, the health range is a long health range, you know, and most of my clients, by the time they come to me, they're not fully diseased yet. Some are, but some are definitely towards that lower end where their hormones are on the lower end and not optimal and they're feeling it. They're not sleeping, they're irritable, they're gaining weight, you know, so that's where I kind of have more of a, we have a disease model, but then we also have a you know, standard health and then optimum health, you know, gotcha. yep. we work the look at the ranges a little different. Right. So you, you can, you can look, you can look at the range pre-disease and, yep. and start a treatment, recognizing that the individual is having symptoms or issues that, yeah. you know, indicate that they're trending in that direction, but may not show up on a lab if that's the only indicator that a endocrinologist yep. right. is looking at. So yep. what are, what are some of the treatments that you know, that we'll just talk about. Yeah. So really what we're doing is the, what we got to get away from is that age old adage, eating less and exercising more is going to work is the only way to do it. You know, that works when you're about 20 to 25, right? You're in college, you're put on 20 pounds. All you got to do is stop drinking and start running and you drop 20 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But after the age of 35, what I recommend is you have to eat right and exercise right and get your hormones balanced. So it's a lot more 
a different approach than is eat less, exercise more. It's exercising correctly, it's eating correctly and making sure those hormones are balanced so that, like you said, you're working with your body instead of working against it and, and, and beating yourself up and not getting the results you want. Well, what are, what are some of the ways that uh, you and, and one of your patients could, uh, what, some of the treatment methodologies for managing the hormone regulation yep. at that point? Well, we're always, once we get that baseline, we're looking. So we're, we're checking in and we do this kind of holistically. So we're checking in on sleep, you know, if, if women aren't getting sleep, then we have to start using herbal medicine to get them sleeping. Because if women aren't sleeping, one, you're not going to, your cortisone is going to be higher, your testosterone is going to be lower, you know, and so then you're more likely and you're more likely to be more stressed. And so it's really kind of getting the fundamentals back in line so that if they are working out, they're recovering and lowering that cortisol and increasing that testosterone. So one is always looking, I start always with sleep, man. We gotta, you gotta have that base. If you want fat loss and weight loss, you gotta have sleep. And when you're talking about sleep, uh, mm. you're talking about full rested and recovery of sleep. Quality, yep. Yep, yeah. how, do you, how do you help gauge that? Uh, so it depends. I mean, definitely if people, the main things I ask the people, you know, have trouble falling or staying asleep. The majority of, of females kind of in this range, what happens as they get more sensitive to that cortisol, they have trouble staying asleep. So most people are tired, they can fall asleep, but it's that one to 3 a.m. that they're waking up because their tissues are sensitive to cortisol and then they're not falling back asleep. Or if they do fall back asleep, it's not really deep. Um, gotcha. So I looked at sometimes if people have all, you know, Fitbits, Apple watches, I like to get that sleep data if they do it. I don't like people yeah. to wear those 24 seven, but I'm saying, hey, you know, wear your Fitbit for a week. Let's get your baseline sleep data, see where you're at. You may be sleeping better than you think. You may be sleeping worse than you think. And then we can adjust with that. There's um, <clears throat> certainly technologies planted. Yeah, great big role role. today. Yeah, because... I mean, even things like familiar with Whoop. Have you seen that yeah. technology that's out there? And you start to be able to measure things like HRV or heart heart rate. Yeah, exactly. Variability, and so you you're you're bringing that in. I I, I I'd like to get the attention right now of of uh, of my friends and athletes uh, about that point because um, unless you go to to get a sleep study. And I've seen people come out of sleep studies and they're, they're walking away with either, you know, devices that they're sleeping with, or they're walking away with a medication, a prescription for, you know, for a pharmaceutical yep. to, to affect their sleep. Yep. And uh, A, you know, those devices obviously are very encumbering and, and, and you know, come, come with a you know, whole nother uh, level of attributes uh, and, and challenges. Not to take away from the effectiveness of those whatsoever. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me, that, that'd be one of the last things I'd want to deploy yeah. from, a, from a treatment standpoint. And, and the other that I think is, is um, you know, more concerning for me is when you start to get into pharmaceutical medications for sleep. Yep. Um, that- They're uh, not great. They're not great. And, they, and, and I haven't met one that doesn't have some other side effect that you've got to, you've got to try to manage. 
Yep. Um, so I've not yet uh, run into a, uh, you know, traditional Western medicine practitioner that has said to me or anyone I know, Sam, let me take a look at your heart rate variability. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they might send you for a sleep study and yeah. then they'll just wait for the evidence. And if the sleep yeah. study says, yeah, you're not sleeping well, yeah. you know, next thing you know, you've, you've got a script to, to help try to manage that. Yeah. And, you, and you've, you've missed a whole lot of opportunity here. So for those, those folks that are tuned in uh, and so many of us challenged with sleep issues, uh, but you, you are working out, you are utilizing the tools and the technology today you have a place for examining and looking at that technology, incorporating what they're already committed to in yep. utilizing and, yep. and working that into um, to measuring sleep quality and, and, uh, and recovery. Yeah. Then it, and it makes it easier too, then as we're adding in herbs and supplements, you know, you, you got your baseline data, we add in, make some interventions, herbs, supplements, check it for two weeks, is it better? you may not feel better, but if we look at the data, it's like, oh yeah, you got an extra half hour or hour of deep sleep. It's working. Yeah. Right on that. That's, that's very comprehensive. And, and yeah. yeah. You know? <clears throat> and I don't give that forever. You know, I kind of work with people two to three months. If we're not making progress, then, you know, medication, sleep, you know, CPAP, things like that. Those are always available, you right. know, yeah. So I'm not saying it's one or the other, I'm, you know, it's, we got these interventions we can try for a certain time. If we're making headway yeah, that's great. If not, those, those, the, the higher force interventions are always there. Yeah. And, you know, um, when you and I had a chance to meet and chat, you, you, you know, you referenced that. And I think it's important for people to understand, because I don't know if you're, uh, you know, if you're anomalous and, you know, in this, uh, in this position or not, but, you're not opposed to the deployment or the utilization of, you know, Western medications and prescriptions if they have a place, um, and, and it can be a it can be a, a combiner or uh, you know or or uh, you know comprehensive approach where you're utilizing both, right? Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. Because that's where I think people get the best the best outcomes, right? You know if. Our goal is, I see medications are needed, you know, they're, they definitely have their place. But unfortunately, if you look at the data in, in our country, you know, the amount of medications and our health statistics are, is pretty dismal, you know? Yeah. So what I see, I see medications sometimes help people like crutches get unstuck and get them where we need to, but you don't want a crutch for the next 40 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people want to know what else I can do. You know, a lot of my clients, especially out in Colorado, they want to be proactive with their health is like, Hey, my doctor says I want need this medication. What else can I do personally to augment the, you know, take less medication or not need that medication or augment the side effects, you know, so yeah. we can really combine everything to, for the best outcome of the patient. That's really the goal. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, so let's talk about, you know, the other gender on that yeah. and, and men and yeah. testosterone, um, you know, a, a very uh, prominent issue for men over 40. Yep. Is that about when you start to see it? Yeah. I mean, on it's, 
you know, the more kind of diseased and stressed out we are, we keep seeing it in younger, younger people. Mm. Um, but I'd say around 40 for sure is when, when people come in. Um, and I think unfortunately with males and they're coming in their doctor and they may be depressed or fatigued, I think it's under tested and under looked into. I don't, I don't want to get on a tangent here, but I took a, uh, I took a continuing edge course in, um, in uh, physiology and the professor had cited a, uh, a study and I don't remember where it was, but more spoke to uh, the fact that in 15 year old males in certain areas and countries where the consumption of water from plastics mm -hmm. is prominent. Yeah. There was a severe drop in testosterone in young males. Yeah. And um, are, are, you, are you seeing a correlation between that as well? Or have you read? Or oh yeah, 100% because of those, those, in, those environmental chemicals or what we call um, endocrine disrupt disruptors so they they disrupt your your natural hormones sometimes they mimic them sometimes they bind to the hormone sites so your own body doesn't produce hormones it's yeah i mean with the onslaught of when you get into environmental medicine and the amount of chemicals and pesticides and organophosphates that we're all kind of unconsciously exposed to um, it gets pretty scary to be honest. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was it, in some, some countries, uh, where they, where they don't drink from a faucet and they're drinking from plastics, it's almost epidemic in young males. Yeah. And, and that's a scary thing. And you could, you could see it in the, in, in the, uh, physiology or the anatomy of these kids. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're carrying more body fat, you know, yep. and they're, you know, they're, they, they lack the muscular structure and, yep. And um, yeah, it's it's horrible. So uh, with with the you know with the average male though uh, starting age and uh, starting to question uh, you know their their testosterone. What are some of the symptoms that you see more pronounced with with a, with somebody that might start to be having some low T type issues? Symptoms. Well, for men, it kind of ranges. Um pretty far, you know, anywhere from fatigue to depression, to sleep issues, to weight gain. Um, I have a lot of guys that come in because they're just irritable, you know, they're just unhappy and irritable and don't know why. And their wife pretty much, you know, forces them in. They see a shift basically yeah. and so libido. from mental to also physical, you know, yeah. weight loss, loss. They can't recover from the workouts anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it and it could be a libido issue. Yeah, libido, erectile dysfunction. You know, all of a sudden they're fine, no desire, or things aren't working. So it can be a combination of physical and mental and emotional. So when you're when you're testing for testosterone, uh, yeah, what what are some of the uh, what are some of the uh, what are we looking for? What are we looking for in those labs? Yeah. Yeah, so we're looking, I like everything a little more comprehensive. So minimum, I like a total testosterone and a free testosterone. You know, we want to see those free hormone levels. You know, sometimes we can see 
um, estradiol, sex hormone binding globulin, things like that. But minimum, we want to see total and free testosterone. Total and really, and free. okay. Yeah, and really, what we want to see is so if you go to a regular medical doctor, and this is if and let average ranges, I think 300 to 800 is what they say you're not gonna get testosterone replacement insurance coverage unless you're under 300. So that 300, 800, is that a total testosterone number? Yep, that's a total kind of normal okay. range, yep. And um, so, and within that or further, you can get into looking at the free testosterone. Now, am I right that the, <clears throat> the free testosterone is actually the, uh, uh, the testosterone that the body is able to utilize? Correct. Yep. It's the free hormone that your body's using that's floating around in your, in your bloodstream. Okay. Yep. And, and I think a lot of men don't, or may not realize, um, like women may not realize that they, they're also carrying estrogen. Yep. Yep. So what, are, what are some of the effects of an estrogen imbalance? Well, what can happen in men is sometimes that total testosterone can get converted into estrogen and be increasing estrogen and your free your free testosterone stays low and that that can that 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 increase in estrogen in men can lead to some of that depression erectile dysfunction low libido weight gain all those things too okay and uh, you know I've, I've read and tell me if i'm if i'm accurate that uh with men that that higher or imbalanced estrogen can oftentimes present itself in belly fat yep correct right? Yep, belly fat is is usually can be estrogen and cortisol. Um, the stress and that's the problem with testosterone drops. Same with men, you get more sensitive to that cortisol stress hormone. You know, right? Yeah, and it's and it's not just it's not just an indication that uh, you know you've got high estrogen if you've got low testosterone. There's there's yep. more to it. Yep, yep. there's yep. more things to look at, and and the problem I see in practice is that you know, a lot of guys come in and their testosterone, they go to their doctor, have it tested, and it may be at 350 or, you know, 375. Um, and their doctor is like, oh, your testosterone's fine. And they come to me and they're like, I feel awful, you know? Yeah. And, you and know. still having, still having issues. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, if you would, yeah. um, let, let's assume that somebody's in that range in that, yeah. what would be, uh, you know, normal range of 300, 800, yeah. um, but they're, they're, they're showing or they're feeling symptoms yep. of, of lower testosterone. Um, yep. what, what are some of the natural means of, of managing or increasing testosterone, free testosterone? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where, so I look at kind of that, you know, three, most men feel all the data shows we really want that testosterone should be kind of that minimum 500, you know, okay. really want, you want to be up in that five, you know, that upper, upper third range, you know, five to 700 is where most men feel pretty good. So in that kind of, you know, three to 500, sometimes, you know, weight training is always going to be part of it, no matter right. what. Well, let's, let's talk about that because I don't, I don't know that people realize uh, the impact that weight training has on, uh, on testosterone. Do you mind talking about that for a minute? Yeah. So as you're kind of, 
as you age and your, te your testicles basically slowly decrease testosterone, your muscle mass starts, can start to make up for that. So if you start to build that muscle mass, you can keep those, ideally those testosterone levels buffered a little bit. Now it doesn't so work that way for everybody, but that's our best bet is the more muscle mass you have, ideally the more testosterone will stay elevated. Okay, so that's what you're saying is that if you can, uh, you've got this natural uh, reduction in production from the, from the testes, but if you're, if you're able to build body mass, you can, you can help either sustain or produce testosterone. Yep. Is yep. that right? Yeah. And also what it does is when you're, you're lifting weights specifically, you know, I recommend full body exercises, you know, building squats, lunges, deadlifts, where you're using your whole body. What that does is then you get a bigger, when you're sleeping, if your sleep is good, you're getting a bigger surge in testosterone at night and a bigger surge of growth hormone. So why is it at night? Is it because what happens during that recovery process? That yep, that's when your body's like, it's kind of your body's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm trying to survive in this environment where I'm having to use my muscles. So at night, your, your brain says, hey, we got to up the growth hormone and testosterone and make more muscles. You gotcha. Know? Gotcha. You know, and night is when you're recovering, your muscles recover, your, your hormones kick in. So then that's when if, your body heals. If, if the sleep and the recovery is effective, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you, you got you to make sure that piece is in place. If you're, yep, exactly. if, you're, if you're lifting heavy shit all day and, and you're not sleeping and recovering at night. That's, you're not going to make gains. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, interesting. So I also know that there's a correlation to um, loss of testosterone. I don't know if loss is a correct word, production or, uh, or, or development and sustained and long endurance type exercise. 100%, yeah. So I kind of like it to, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but you know, you look at Olympic sprinters have you seen an Olympic sprinter body <laughs> Yeah. versus an Olympic distance athlete body? You know, yep. they're, they're totally different. And fr from an evolutionary standpoint, in my opinion, you know, our, we didn't, we weren't running 20, 30 miles a day for the last thousands of years, you know, right. right. We were chasing after game, killing it you know, harvesting it and relaxing. So you're getting those sprints. So long distance tends to the chronic stress of long distance training, that elevated cortisol over many years. Ask, yeah. Yep, that is what causes that lower testosterone. It's the, it's that distance training really increases that cortisol. And that's what eventually can lower that cortisol and cause those kind of crashes that people get uh yeah i've been uh in my personal um in my personal fitness uh emphasis if you will um you know attentive to uh, how that endurance and um sustained exercise because i can feel it yeah you know i i you know i can feel the the effects of it uh you know physiologically. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, I've always maintained a, a, a 
consistent uh, weight training and strength training regimen. But nevertheless, I mean, there are a lot of folks and myself included who are, are hitting it hard, are going long mm-hmm. and are, are certainly taking on the impact of, yeah. you know, that, that uh, sustained cortisol. So yeah. let's, let's say we have these endurance athletes because there's a whole bunch of us out there yeah. that are wanting, you know, and are passionate about these sports and that exercise yeah. and, 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 and are probably suffering the consequences from a hormonal standpoint of that. How do, how do you, how do you manage that uh, balance? A, yeah. Well, it's all, that's where I think I tell people as you age, you can still compete at the level you want and make gains. Your training just has to be different. You know, you have to be managing your stress. You have to be sleeping. I think you need some herbal medicine on board to help your body deal with that stress because your recovery is going to be different when you're older than you're young, right? So if you're training like you were when you're young, but not managing your stress and not sleeping at a certain age, your body can't keep up that recovery. So you're, so you're, uh, you know, you're 48, 40 year old age male and uh, 45 and you're pursuing these uh, endurance type, you know, activities and sport regimes. And um, you're probably struggling with the balance of that. Uh, you got to pay attention to sleep. So if somebody comes in and they want to optimize their health and their hormonal status uh, yeah. while, while pursuing these endurance, you know, yeah. passions and, and sports, um, you're going to, you're going to do some labs. You're going to do some research, see how, where they are, yeah. but you're, you're obviously going to pay attention to things like sleep and recovery to make sure they're, they're balancing yeah. out that cortisol that way. You yeah. mentioned some supplementation yeah. also, right? In yeah. that process. What yeah. are, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, can you speak to like some nutritional components? Of- yep. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So I'll speak to that too. So yeah, with the training, that's why as we age, I really like that HRV training, you know, checking with your heart rate because that can kind of give, an idea of if you're overtraining or undertraining or recovering. Gotcha. So I like H- HRV for that. Um, and then we can go over some herbs. And then with nutrition, it's, yeah, it's definitely um, ob- obviously exercise and endurance is what we call an oxidative process. You know what an antioxidant is. Everybody knows antioxidants. But using the body, especially at, you know, extremes, it, pr- it breaks it down a lot it's a catabolic so how do you get a diet or you know lots of antioxidants lots of things to recover so definitely you know everybody in my opinion almost agrees we don't get enough fruits and vegetables you know (laughs) those every all those colors and fruits and vegetables the blue and the blueberries the red and cherries you know the orange and orange and sweet potatoes those are antioxidants so if you're if you're if you're running your, your, your body and really breaking it down, you want all those building blocks. So tons of fruits and vegetables and tons of, you know, healthy fats and lean meals and lean proteins. So, um, you know, I've seen a lot of claims about certain foods that can help boost testosterone. Yeah. Is there some, is there some credibility in that? Uh, I think overall, you know, just by, the best way to boost your testosterone is overall cleaning up your diet in general, you know, 
you know, cutting out the fried foods, the fatty foods, the fast foods, just overall shifting to optimal nutrition is usually going to transfer into optimal hormones. Okay. So you can not just think about what you might be able to add in dietary supplement or, or improvement, but take a hard look at what might be, what might be, you know, decreasing or damaging the testosterone. So are you saying some of those processed foods uh, have a negative impact on testosterone? Oh yeah. hundred percent because you're, those processed foods are creating more inflammation in your body, which then the body has to, can only do so much. It either has to manage all that inflammation or increase your testosterone and help you grow. Awesome. All right. I gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the other things that's, you know, kind of a different tangent that we've been talking about, but, uh, you know, came to me earlier as we're chatting, we are talking about medications and just something I've, I've seen that's again, almost epidemic and, in our society, along with, you know, sleep issues, uh, is cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I, I'm almost shocked at times as to how many people are supplementing with statins. Yep. And uh, I don't want to put you on a spot, but I wanted to see if you had a, a, a feeling or opinion on, on statins. Oh, yeah. There he is. No, no, I, you can put me on the spot. I mean, my father died of heart disease, so I stay up on most of the research, you okay. know, and, and I think statins have their place, but it's very small. If you really look at all the data, statins aren't really um, the best at lowering heart disease and saving lives. Do you mind, do you mind going into that rabbit hole a little bit? We talk about <laughs> about heart yeah. disease and, and, and statins or, or how you yeah, yeah. So, high cholesterol. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, what we see is um, how to describe it. It's kind of like, um, you know, we all have cholesterol floating around our, in our bodies, you know, cholesterol, actually what happens when you get inflammation in the blood vessels, that's the cholesterol goes in to heal that inflammation. So poor diet, stress management, you know, smoking, fried fatty foods, cause those vessels, high blood pressure to get irritated. The cholesterol is what's going into those vessels to kind of heal those vessels. Okay. And so putting on a statin to stop that cholesterol really isn't addressing that inflammation in that, in those issues. All it is, is dropping that cholesterol numbers. Um, and that's why we see, you know, the data is, I think half the people that have heart attacks or even die from heart attacks, their cholesterol levels are normal, you know, statins work good because statins are very easy to go to your doctor. Your, your cholesterol is 250. You go on your statin three months later, it's 200. It's a very easy thing to help you feel feel people kind of secure in their health. Um, but when you really look at all the data, that's, you know, if, you're, if your cholesterol is going up because you're eating a bunch of crap, in my opinion, a statin, there's no really magic bullet, you know. The, the statin may, may control your cholesterol for a little bit, but in five years, then, you know, your blood sugar may be elevated. Your you know, your blood pressure may go. So 
Stans is kind of, in my opinion, just putting band-aids on, which sometimes we need band-aids, but the data on statins isn't great for, you know, preventing heart attacks or even saving people from uh, death. So I, it, I imagine you're looking at heart health the same way you're looking at hormonal health mm -hmm. and you're, you're, you're obviously able to, to have an impact and take a position on somebody that's already diseased. Yeah. But if they're, if they're not expressing, you know, that they're diseased at this point, either yeah. through, um, you know, cholesterol testing of blood work or, yeah. um, you know, uh, ultrasound imaging, yeah. something, right? Um, and they're, they're, they're pre-diseased. I don't know if that's the proper yeah. term. Yeah, but but they're showing symptoms, right? Yep. Or they, or even worse, you know, they've got a family history, right? The yeah. genetic component. Component. Yeah. What are some of the What are some of the approaches that you take to somebody that is uh, maybe on the verge of being prescribed statins, yep. and and thinks that there's something they could do lifestyle or oh yeah holistically? What what were some What are some of the steps there? Well, definitely, you know, even I think the American Heart Heart Association every everybody recommends diet and lifestyle you know one diet is the big thing to uh lower cholesterol and then exercise actually increases your good cholesterol because it's all about those ratios so if you clean up your diet a little bit and you move a little more then ideally those ratios shift and really cholesterol, in my opinion, we can watch those numbers and track them and they can kind of be a, a sign of kind of aging and how well you're maintaining your health. You know, if you're over time, you're eating, eating a lot of garbage and a lot of fried food and your cholesterol is going up, you know, you're aging faster than you should be, hmm. you know, yep. and cholesterol is not an end all be all too. Now the, the newer evidence, what I like people to do is insurance doesn't cover it, but you can get a calcium CT scan of your heart. They're about 150 bucks at an imaging center. And that'll be a CT scan of your heart. And you can actually see if you got plaque in your arteries. So it, uh, would that, does that image differ much from a, uh, from an ultrasound in what it's showing in plaque buildup or? Yeah, yep. So you can use ultrasound or anything, but the CT scan will measure the vessels of your heart. So you can't you can't ultrasound the vessels of your heart because they're too deep. Right. So they they do the aorta and they make a they make an assumption based on how that looks that the heart's looking the same yep. way, right? Yeah. Now you can just image the heart. And a lot of people, that's why I said, you know, cholesterol is not the end all be all. It's what we call oxidized cholesterol. Cholesterol that is not had not is oxidized is what sticks in the vessels cholesterol that is healthy and is not oxidized if you have a lot of antioxidants in your diet that cholesterol keeps floating around and so there's not nothing. necessarily building up and and correct so if you have a lot of cholesterol in your in your in your body but you have a diet high in plants and fruits and vegetables you're less likely to get heart disease if you have a lot of cholesterol in your diet and you don't have a lot of antioxidants in your diet, that cholesterol is more likely to cause problems. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's probably misinformation or, uh, you know, an ill perspective of, of cholesterol in the human body. I, I haven't heard it described in the way you have uh, previously about it, its role, um, but it, you know, it's not all bad. 
right. we need cholesterol and cholesterol <laughs> helps produce testosterone too oh you is know? that right yeah that's right yeah so we need cholesterol to help produce our hormones it's a fat but we want we want we want that we want those antioxidants to 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 protect that cholesterol from turning into bad cholesterol basically yeah and you know if you can get those through good dietary habits obviously can do something with antioxidants in the form of supplementation but which which i you know i'm sure you you get involved with you can recommend but um but let's begin with taking a look at a diet because if you're popping you know antioxidants but you're you're eating out the window or through the window (laughs) on a regular basis you're you're probably not getting all the benefits right no no um yeah interesting um and, and is it true that uh, a lot of our brain matter is made up of cholesterol? Yep, fat and cholesterol. Yeah, that's why it's it's a it's important it's an important thing, and that's why we, in my opinion, statins aren't the best because you know there's also we need cholesterol, so you don't want to just shut it off. I mean, all right. statin does is just shut it off. I was just going to say it doesn't know the difference between good and bad. It's yep. it, it's you know cuts off cholesterol production. Yep. So if you're, you know, if your brain matters in need of it and other mm-hmm. aspects of the body, you, you, you run that risk yep. of, of, you know, not being able to balance that interesting stuff. Um, the, you know, one of the last things I want to get into uh, briefly um, is acupuncture. Cause I know this part of your practice yeah. <laughs> and um, in maybe explaining how you incorporate acupuncture into treatment. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I love acupuncture. One, I use it a ton for pain management. So a lot as as athletes age and the regular person ages, I tell people it's not so much about the injuries as the recovery from injuries, you know. So we really use acupuncture, in my opinion, to manage pain because what happens is people get in pain, then they move less, then they tend to be getting more pain, then they move less, and then they age faster. So I like acupuncture because in my opinion, it's one of the best pain management tools so that it, you know, really as you age, it's move it or lose it, you know? Yeah. And so you want to, you want to make sure you're not, you know, oh, I got back pain. I'm, I stopped my exercise routine, you know, then those, then the muscles tighten up then you're in more pain and then you're, you know, you're in that spiral again. It's an interesting thought. And I think it's, it's, it's also a problem with, um, with how we see people um, utilize recovery from injuries. You, you know, we're naturally we're our body is, is prepared to deal with injury. Yep. And it, and it's got a mechanism for healing and that, that mechanism can include inflammation because that inflammatory process has, yep. uh, has, a, repair, has a reparative uh, method to it, right? Yep. But, yeah, it benefits. but when that inflammation uh, is followed by lack of movement, mobility, et cetera, then the inflammation become, can become problematic. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. That's, and especially as we age, because those tissues, when they get injured and it, and they don't heal properly, they start getting tighter, you know, yeah. and then that causes pain and then you don't move and then they get tighter and more pain and tight. And it's really kind of a vicious cycle, you know? Yeah. I've read, so, I read an article years back about why, 
pro athletes are able to return to the field faster than uh, than amateur athletes, and and they, they had uh, honed in on uh, you know the immediate treatment and and the attention to inflammation immediately versus long because the the amateur athlete gets injured and the typical remedy is you know rest and recovery and elevation right put, yeah. put, you you sprain your ankle put your ankle up get off your ankle and yeah. uh, and lay down for a while yep. <laughs> and, and that that gets you off the ankle and stops yeah. the and stops the uh, the inflammatory process for a period of time but um, but now you need to once you get up you've got to deal with the impact yeah. of the inflammation where they say the you know the professional athlete immediately goes into treatment and they start addressing inflammation immediately. Yep. I mean, after they understand the, the injury, yeah. like an immediate image, right? But yep. the amateur might wait a week okay. before they get in to get a CAT scan MRI and they get the insurance yep. figured out. Yep. Yep. And so they've been sitting for a week, you yep. know, taking on all this inflammation and then they go get the image and okay, now let's go address where. Yep. Uh, so now you've got to, now you've got to worry and work to get that inflammation back out of that area, right? Yep. So, um, yeah, you, you get behind the eight ball basically. Yeah. yeah. So can acupuncture be utilized um, oh, yeah. more early in, in the introduction of, of injury to, yeah. to help manage that inflammation process? Oh, 100%. Because what it's doing, acupuncture is, it increases your own endorphins and enkephalins and and increases the blood flow to that area. So then that's dropping down the inflammation. It's basically helping your body manage that inflammation in a, a more effective way. Yeah. And you're right, the, the sooner we can treat that injury and manage that inflammation and pain and get people moving again, then that gets them out of that pain cycle faster and helps recovery speed up. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I haven't thought about acupuncture in that method, but uh, it makes complete sense. Um, so, uh, we, we've, we've covered a, a number of different things that I, that I just want to go back and kind of recap for the listeners. And the first is if you're suspect or, uh, concerned that you, if you, you know, for female listeners, for instance, that might be suffering with some hormonal impact, uh, or effect on, uh, you know, challenging them for weight loss. Uh, there, there are other things you can do and, and you maybe should be doing than just seeking an endocrinologist in that process to supplement with some type of, of, of medication. Uh, yeah. And that, that can include uh, a more comprehensive approach to look at, at sleep patterns, uh, you know, your, your recovery. You mentioned, uh, and I'm going to repeat this again for, for the men as well, that HRV and looking at at those type of signals, and um, what are the tools? You know, people if they're if they're athletes and they are fitness enthusiasts and they're utilizing those things that they can bring to you that you can look at, and then um, and then get into uh, you know potential supplementation, even if you are on some type of prescribed medication. Correct. Yeah, and medication. it's really about you know balancing, making sure those hormones are balanced and optimized, and not just fitting in a box. Yep. You know, it's really like, hey, if something's off, let's check and 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 balance and optimize those hormones um, versus seeing them in kind of a narrow range. Yep. And um, and I think for men and women, you you know, you spoke to something that 
is is worth mentioning again. That's that, you know, that, that strength training and weight training, uh, especially as you age, have yep. a very important role in maintaining good hormonal balance. That's correct. For testosterone mm-hmm. production, and that 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 uh, for men and women. For men and women, that's right. Yep. That 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 development of additional muscle mass not only helps affect the metabolic condition, which will help you manage that weight weight yep. loss and, and weight management, but it's it's increasing the testosterone mm-hmm. and and helping uh, and helping you know in yeah. that process. Muscle well. mass is your best anti aging medicine out there right now. Man, okay, <laughs> you heard it. You heard it right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 love so I know women don't like to lift, but I mean, you know, you putting on muscle mass strong is the new lean, right? Strong is yeah. the new skinny, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, and, uh, for men, uh, you know, reiterate it again, you heard, you heard, you know, I heard Dr. Graves say it, uh, you know, that muscle mass is key. And, um, and also that even if you're, even if you're not showing low on those, uh, T ranges and levels, you may still be dealing with some of those issues. And there are ways that you can naturally work to, uh, to impact that uh, be- before you may end up in that um, yep. supplemental phase. Yeah, correct. But, but if you are, and, you, and let's say somebody walks in and they're, you know, they're getting weekly or biweekly T shots and they're on yeah. uh, supplementation, that poses another challenge for, for many men because it can, it can inhibit the natural produ- production of testosterone, right? Yep. Yep. So how do you how do you manage somebody that's already already hit the tank? They're, they're, they're low <laughs> yeah. on numbers, right? Yep. So they've yep. they've gone in and they're receiving yep. injections yep. or supplementation, yep. and now they might be dealing with the impact of not producing it. Yeah, and that's where I look at rounding out the treatment. That's where I really like to add in adaptogen herbs ashwagandha, rhodiola, lithrococcus, work on those stress hormones, that cortisol, in sleep patterns, things like that. So the testosterone is being addressed, but this other stress management isn't being addressed so that over time, you may just need to be upping your testosterone or taking more. But when we can add in other herbs to support the body's stress management, then the testosterone people are taking is is better utilized and better used. Ah, right on. So you get better effect out of that free testosterone, and and maybe not always having to supplement with more and increased yeah. uh, as, as you start to naturally decrease production because you're on supplementation. Yeah. You know, eventually you might hit a thing where you know if you're receiving X dose, that may not be enough. You're going to Y. Yeah. Instead of having to move to Y, you may be able to balance that or offset that with. That's correct. hundred percent. Good stuff, man. Dr. Adam Graves, uh, really appreciate the insight and, and you sharing and talking about these two topics, man, we could probably dive into so many more topics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and I, what I tell people, I, I offer free 15 minute consults on my website. They can go on, sign up on my, my calendar and, if I just did, if they just have questions, if I can help, I'm pretty upfront and honest. Like right on. we get on the phone, we talk for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I think I can help or no, I can't help, but you should go down this route. So, you know, people don't have to spend money or come in. It's literally a, a phone call and I can give them a quick second opinion and 
and really see if we can ship things for them. Yeah, good stuff. Where do they, where do they find you? Uh, Colorado Natural Medicine, coloradonatmed.com or dradamgraves.com um, or Facebook, social media, wherever they can find me. Right on. Dr. Adam Graves, thanks for your time, man. Uh, hey. folks, folks, check him out, especially if you're local. Uh, yeah. Thanks for your insight and sharing today. And, and uh, I imagine you've, you've probably got content that's being distributed, right? So people can sign up or join in or follow for we do tons yeah tons of blogs and newsletters yeah we we i'm a big education guy like i believe quality education material because you know there's so much junk out there we like to produce quality that that really is on kind of on the cutting edge of the in science and what's really applicable to people's lives good stuff yeah. dr adam grace thanks for your time man hey thanks sam so much all right <laughs>